Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Generative Work Podcast with me, Sarah James Wright, exploring all aspects of future business and conscious leadership. In this podcast, I talk about the programme taking place in August, but in fact the date has been changed. The Systemic Leadership, Coaching and Constellations Introduction to the Essentials course has been moved to the 25th to the 27th of February 2022 and bookings are now open. We delayed due to Covid travel restrictions during the summer but look forward to welcome you in the spring. Delighted to be joined on this episode of the Generative Work podcast by my co-founder of Generative Workspace, Ali Wooding, and the very warm and wonderful Ninian Stewart. <laughs> Welcome to you both. And the reason we're here as a gang today is because Ali and I are going up to Ninian's home in Scotland in August. And we're going to be delivering a program of systemic coaching, a training. It's the Systemic Leadership Coaching and Constellations Introduction to the Essentials that runs from August the 27th to August the 29th. And we're delivering this in partnership with the whole partnership whose program this is. And we're doing it on the Falkland Estate in Scotland with Ninian from the Centre for Stewardship. So today we thought we'd have a conversation to begin to get into what systemic work is, what this course might bring, who it might be interesting for, but more specifically, you know, what does this mean? This idea of the systemic, it's a kind of different perception on how we look at life and human endeavor and um, so that's what we're really going to get into today and so Ninian you've been involved with systemic work for a number of years now in various different capacities and I wonder really what's been the impact of this way of working on you on your leadership and your work. Mm. Thank you Sarah. So Immense and intense, and probably in equal measure, really. Um, so I think, I can't remember, is it sort of 12, 14 years or something ago where I kind of mm. showed up as a kind of a guinea pig? Somebody said, oh, you might learn a little bit about, you know, what your work and your business and what you're trying to do on the estate is. And so kind of showed up, and I've kind of been showing up at these kind of things ever since. And I think they've become such a core part of the way I see the world and the way I work um, and the way of who I see who I am and of the work that I and we are doing here. So really enmeshed in, yes, this kind of, gosh, being able to, you know, see the whole as much as we can see the whole. And then to kind of, gosh, zoom in and saying, ah, what's going in on in this little fractal here? And what am I learning from this? So, yeah, my, my, my relationship to this, this kind of work is, feels really, really core to, to who, 
yeah, to who I am as well as what I do. And that is something that we've been talking about, isn't it? That whatever our work is out in the world, there's this kind of inner component, this, this inner balance of shifting ourselves so that something shifts in our work out in the world. And I think this systemic focus is just perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, well, that word, the inner condition, isn't it? You know, how is my inner condition and the impact of my inner condition on, yeah, on all of the relationships that I have with people who work here or um, or stakeholders in different way? And that's just, it is, it is so core. And if we don't, if we aren't seeing and feeling into that, then... Yeah, it can be, I don't know, it can just be that old, gosh, no, nothing changes. No, we've tried that. Yeah. Let me do it. So in listening to you also, Ninian, I was really aware of you speaking to the idea of the zooming out, seeing the whole, and also coming right down into the fractal. And so I, I would imagine it'd be really interesting for people to hear how you began to see Falkland differently, how you began to see your work differently as a result of participating in Constellations. You know, what did you discover? Hmm. So, gosh, well, <laughs> so much, Ali, really, and, and continuing, really. Um, as I'm speaking to you, interestingly, I'm looking out onto Falkland Hill, um, which kind of the estate um, and Falkland Estate owns the top of the hill and kind of is around it and and um, and on a particular side of it. And I think it is, you know, it can be seen from it can be seen from a good distance away, but in some ways the hill is kind of for me. There's something about you get up the hill. You can, from the place of perspective, from the high point, you can really kind of see, see the whole. Now, of course, constellation work goes even further. It goes back from the hill. It goes back from the, the nation. It goes back from the world and, and, and in a sense, looks at even more of that. Um, but I think there has been something for me of kind of trying to tease out what our, and it is around purpose, you know, is, is gosh, what is my purpose here? And came away with a very powerful kind of take on that from, from one session around purpose. Um, yeah, which is maybe worth kind of touching on to. So my task is to hold and host the unfolding potential of this place till the time is ripe to let go into the hands of others who have found their feet and know their hearts. And that, I guess, I must have brought away from a whole partnership event probably six years ago. It's still very live to me. Interestingly, I shared it with a woman who was involved in a community ownership kind of thing on one of the islands. And she says, oh, gosh, can we take this back and use it for us? This speaks to us, too. And of course, although that was my particular purpose, actually already the team here are using and sharing that because actually, you know, all of us will have to leave. Um, the work is about, in some ways, that letting go and, you know, that dance of life of 
what, when, when we hold on and step into something, and then when we say, no, this is not, this is not mine to hold. This is time for me to be going. So, yeah, all of that. And I wonder, Ninia, just for people who haven't come across you and your work, if you could say a little bit about, you know, what does that mean? What is it that the grand project around community ownership that you're engaged in? Yeah, so thank you. And of course, there's ever these things kind of, gosh, link in often. The things that we feel most passionately about often link into little bit of our story and I think just to touch into my little bit of the story gosh first when I'm kind of seven and then when I was a teenager really so when I was seven because I came from a fairly wealthy family um, I was hoped out of the primary school and of my community that I loved and sent off to a school in the south of England and that felt very sore um, and it still feels sore still feel it when I think of there and so and I, I got thrown out of two schools um, in my teenage I was um, you know I got in touch with my rebel and I think part of the rebel was saying both why me you know um, and, and part of the why me was I have three older sisters but actually I'm the one who gets lumbered with the responsibility the burden and the privilege of an estate and I kind of knew that was coming at that point. And I thought, I'm, I just want to be a community worker. So I kind of went and lived, lived and worked in, um, gosh, Glasgow housing schemes and with homeless people. And in a sense, I did. I did that Scottish thing of, you know, being one of Jack Thompson's bairns. So in Scotland, and to then zoom forward, we are at a time in our history where land reform, as the Scottish Parliament came in, was a really, really strong thing. In Scotland, a very few, small number of people own a lot of land and the people are questioning that and of course we also have in the history the clearances and you know we have all of that and I know in England there will be other patterns but and and and, and also some similar patterns but there is that bit of you know gosh what is all of that at about so so I guess part of my work is to embrace that and me and my two children um, we have both agreed we've all all three of us have agreed that we're going to, um, yeah, kind of move on the ownership of an estate beyond the family tree into a forest of community or a forest of community ownership, as far and as well as we can do that. So at the moment, we are trying to cultivate that ground. We're trying to prepare that ground. And we're trying to work here on this particular estate with that, um, my, my children and ones in Glasgow and ones in Edinburgh, so they're not here, but certainly those of us who work on the estate are beginning to sow the potential for moving that on. So I guess in terms of my work, that's my work at Falkland. I've also been involved in little organisations like Reforesting Scotland, um, in a sense about how do we, gosh, reforest and bring back forest culture for the land and people, and um, little things like the children's parliament around children's rights and how do you how do you step into yourself and how do we again kind of actually give children not just the voice but actually actually really really trust what they're coming in and sensing so I, I suppose I'm really interested in that oh it is it, it, it's that bit of community and belonging um, that actually we are all connected everyone is connected 
Um, you know, because you're a laird, as people call landowners in Scotland, actually, you know, that doesn't make you any anything more. It, it certainly gives res certainly can give resources, but actually, you know, we are not we're not separate. And I suppose there is that sense of, oh, separate. Oh, gosh, you know, so, so, so I suppose that's the kind of, that's, that's, that's part of my, my journey of life at the moment. So one of the things I've, I've been leading recently is a whole work around um, Fairer Fife. Um, so the region where I live in, um, we had an event a couple of days ago, um, which was looking at, um, gosh, stories of what's happened in terms of how communities have um, actually done things which the state would have done beforehand um, in times of COVID, have stepped up and actually have, you know, said, okay, we need to do it. So we'll put up this shed and we'll put goods in it and we'll encourage people to come and, you know, come and get their food or their books or whatever it is, you know, those lovely little initiatives. So I, I suppose that's that's the work that um, really, really excites me, it, you know, that it is, hey, we are... Um, well, interesting. We we are all in this together, but it's that bit of um, it may be the same storm, but actually we're in different boats. Um, and 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 how do we how how do we really work with those folks on the edge? And really, really, really enjoy working with people who are who are holding the edge. Thank you. And it it strikes me that your story and your work really encapsulates so many themes of the of this idea of systemic work you know approaching an inquiry with this very different perspective and you know maybe i'll kind of tease out some of those and ali maybe that you know the other, others might speak to you as well because i feel like that's quite informative in everything that you've said ninian about you know one one of the themes in this idea of systemic work is the flow of time mm. And of course, that's so important in your story. And you've named the flow of time through your own life and your children's life. But of course, there's this great flow of time. All of us are standing on our ancestors' bones, you know, they, and this great flow of time of how things have been. And this work, I think, is, is quite unique in having a huge respect for what's been and what is and really respecting the, the flow of time, but also opening to a different future. And this idea of working with emergence and that, you know, life is constantly evolving and changing and we can kind of tune into that and, and see where that's happening within us and within our environment. Um, Ali, is there anything else? There's a couple of things I might mention, but is anything else, particular themes landing for you around? I was aware as you were speaking to the flow of time, I was really with the evolutionary impulse, you know, the impulse that's coming through Ninian and is able to express itself in someone who is so warm and open-hearted and willing to reshape how things are done. Mm. And I don't underestimate that either. Uh, because the, the change from more hierarchical and traditional ways of managing and passing on wealth and organizing local communities and so forth. It, what I heard you saying is that something comes down and everybody meets on the same ground. Uh, that was really clear 
that you had that sense of place and belonging and everyone is playing a role within that. So I, I heard huge inclusion mm. and a kind of rebalancing of something as you were speaking there. Um, so that was the other thing that was really present with me. Yeah, and, that, and also this idea of looking at wholeness and not just looking at it, but leading from that place, leading on behalf of the whole. You know, I think that's something that's really key to this systemic practice, and I really heard it in your story. The difference between what's going on for us at a personal level and then the various contexts within which we all operate you know, we all have a family system that has one way of being. We're part of a community or we belong in sometimes numerous geographical places. You know, we have a sense of belonging and home in a number of parts of the world, many of us. You know, what does that mean? How does that shape us? Or even like you say, you're speaking from Scotland and we're in England. That in itself you know, there's a whole history that goes with that too. And, and the fact that all of these things have an impact on us and we have an impact on them. And if we can begin to take this step back and see all these interconnected, interdependent systems within systems, it's, it's more complex in one way, but it does feel more real. And it feels as if then we're really looking at the true picture of what's going on. And we're able to move towards making choices like on behalf of the whole, not just from our small place. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, oh gosh, there is so much in, in, in all of that. Um, just trying to kind of a couple of things coming up i think so partly in terms of my order in the family and kind of in a sense i was the youngest and i think often i kind of got through by keeping my head down and thinking okay you know sisters you know you can you can have all of this sorting it out and working out it i'll, do, I'll just keep my head down i'll keep quiet and all of that and i think through my life and in a sense so but then you know i'm thrown the leadership ball actually mm. hey you were the leader but most of my life i've kind of in a sense been very happy in that role of follower really mm. but actually you know and of course you show up you also challenge and you well, yeah probably follower and challenger were the kind of the start one and then kind of in a sense, and I think partly this work with whole partnership has really kind of helped to say, okay, no, this is yours to do. So actually, this is the time to step in, to step in, to step up, to make clear. And that's taken me a long time. And partly, I really value that kind of, you know, the little boy follower and the, the 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 desire to be quiet and let others lead because I think it's quite healthy and I think actually one of the bits is that you know if the elite always stay being elite and always stay the bosses then actually we're missing a whole <laughs> whole thing there really so there is something about upturning all of that 
and of being able to be that. So in some ways, being a follower, you know, a community worker, that's what I kind of went into. And actually, that was fine. You just, you know, you held the space, you tried to kind of help people, you worked with the local people, the local leaders and all of that stuff. Um, and, and that was fine. But it's been the last, gosh, decade in particular where, okay, no, this is something to step in. And I suppose in some ways I've had to embrace and work with some of that legacy. So I don't know, yeah, things in Falklands history, which is, oh, where is that showing up? Ah, that's family. That goes back a couple of generations. You know, okay. Oh, I hadn't taken in. Oh, there's a Catholic Protestant thing going on there or, you know, whatever. <laughs> These things can come on. And it is about trying to kind of, gosh, see that. I, I, I show up to most community council meetings. I'm not a member, but I show up to most community council meetings. And it is fascinating what, you know, comes out of those, 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 those meetings. And, oh, gosh, you know, at the moment, there's an issue relating to mountain bikers actually on the hill. And it's like, actually, I don't know if this is about mountain bikers. There's something else behind this, <laughs> which is showing up there. You know, so that's, I suppose, that's drilling into... In, in into that detail. And then a last kind of gosh sporadic thought at the moment, kind of doing some work with and um, been involved in an organization called Network for Social Change for a number of years, um, who yeah, do amazing, amazing work. And 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 people who have a bit of money to give away and have kind of channeling it and stuff. So kind of been working working with them and, and at the moment there's a bit of a labor rights um kind of thing on the go how how at this time in this particular time how do we you know what is it what's life like for precarious workers and so we're gonna have in september we're gonna have um a second falcon summer school um for precarious workers. And when they came two years ago, just before COVID, actually what was amazing there was they were coming, stepping into a place of power and privilege. And, you know, these were mostly people. And actually that was amazing. Once you actually, okay, you step into the room and, you know, you have a meeting in the room and what is it to be there and how does that all work? Yeah. So I suppose, um, yeah, that's really interesting. And just this morning I was realizing that a previous building, which was in my family's heritage, actually is now um, used and owned by the trade unions down in England as, what do they call it? Um, they call it the sort of um, the workers' stately home. So, you know, there's a little bit of, where did all of that stuff come from? You know, what was that, you know, and that was, that's going back generations. So there's a little bit of, ah, gosh, this is showing up here again. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a beautiful way of expressing what this work is really about, Ninian. Uh, this sense that there's a sort of a history which is patterning and shaping all kinds of beliefs and ideas and our felt experience of what's allowed and what's not allowed. So that sort of tension between when we're moving towards change and just seeing, it, is this anything here that's causing us to be unconsciously loyal to the way things are done? Or unconsciously connected to the fate of a group of people where actually by turning and facing and beginning to acknowledge and understand what the experience has been, we're beginning to free up energy, we're beginning to create movement so that when we turn and face front as it were, then we can really face into life and it's like the we're supported, there is movement, natural movement is made possible. Yeah, I think that's something 
you know, as, as a systemic coach, that's partly our work, isn't it? Because if without this kind of perspective, we all live and work from our conditioned place, but we don't really know that we've been conditioned by all of these things. We often feel a bit squeezed um, or we're often dissatisfied with how it is. And so we, we sort of try and push against it. We try to fight fate. And actually, I think this perspective allows something much deeper and more transformational to take place. That you can begin to see that bigger picture and explore, well, well, what is my fate? And a bit like you were saying, Ninian, it's like, you know, in, in another family, you might have just been the baby of the family. But because of the family that you were born into and because of primogeniture, suddenly you, from the baby, you, you have to go and assume the head of the family role. So you've got two things pulling you in. In terms of family dynamics, you're the baby. In terms of the history of land owning and, you know, your position in Scotland, you're suddenly the head of the family. And I think if we can begin to map out, and this work is often around mapping, it, it, it kind of sees, we can see the whole journey and we can make different choices about how we chart our course through that particular landscape. And so then, you know, we use the words kind of authorization and agency a lot more. We're not fighting how it is. We accept how it is. We see the whole. And from that place, energy comes back into the system and we can make choices. We can authorize ourselves, as you have, to lead in a space where it was, you know, previously a little bit of a tussle to take that responsibility willingly, really. Yeah, no, lovely. Um... And what's, yeah, what's coming from what both of you have just been saying, actually, is I'm remembering back to, so most of the work I have done, I've done as an individual, and I've kind of come along to the trainings or come along as a guinea pig and, um, you know, seen what's shown up. Um, but there was one time where whole partnership came, I don't know if either of you were part of it, but came to Falkland, came to the stables. Yeah. And in a sense, so that was, I think, 2009. And what showed up at one point in that, in that amazing session was there was a kind of, gosh, there was suddenly a line of kind of female energy and a sense of actually this is what, you know, those kind of, it was very, very strong. And um, certainly, you know, my, gosh, my forebears were very much there and all of that, but actually it was suddenly this sort of, almost avenue of, of 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 female energy which kind of came in and oh i can just remember it i remember that kind of sense of now over the last 12 years um that is what's shown up at falkland mm. you know, there have been so many um women who have shown up here and who actually are really running around this place, holding this place. Of course, it's not just women. Men are playing playing, playing our part, but actually there is that. Now, I think on a wider basis, of course, also, you know, I think even, gosh, isn't it, the royal family have kind of moved beyond primogeniture. So there is, you know, there is a shift that is, there's an obvious and a clear shift that is happening. But I'm now in touch with a number of, um, well, different landowning families who are having very similar conversations. How do we do this? This is quite a tough one. You know, when you're 
back to you know another estate actually that's involved in um kind of monthly conversations and in scotland somewhere else in scotland and you know has actually been in their ownership i think since the 13th century you know it's a long long legacy there yeah and a long particular male line and there's a real desire in that family to be asking and questioning and 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 others in England as well, you know, where actually that changes on. But I think, yeah, we, you know, we are part of something, and that can both feel a burden, but also actually when you begin to open up that questions and see what is what is showing up in the field. And one of the beautiful things of land ownership, of course, we are working with fields and forests. So, you know, when you actually what happens when you create and hold and host that learning field in place, it it, it <coughs> It can be quite beautiful, but also overwhelming. Like, you know, there are so many things at the moment. You know, tomorrow I'm kind of, gosh, you know, person who's a woman from India and a person, you know, they're kind of showing up here that suddenly, oh, it all shows up. <laughs> and I've got my to-do list. <laughs> it's What's really lovely in what you're showing, Ninian, is also that notion of systemic readiness. There's readiness in the system. Something is moving and something is changing. And, and that's why we know it's also part of that wider intelligence of life itself. Um, and this is something that people begin to step into and experience when you have that direct experience of a constellation, is you can begin to see life is working with you. Life is supporting movement. And you're actually tapping into a wisdom that is formed upon really healthy principles, you know, principles that support love, that support well-being, that support the health of human systems and living systems, so that, that you've just beautifully expanded it outwards into the field of life and all the other fields in between. So, 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 so thank you. That's really the, the, the way you articulated that is, um, oh, is, is, is beautiful. And it also, so one of the things I'm beginning to feel my way into is, and, and in a sense I've been using, but it just feels more and more right, but is, so we talk about leadership, and, and, but there's something about, what about leading by teaming? But of course, there's the T-E-A-M-I-N-G, and there's the T-E-E-M-I-N-G. So there's the leading by teaming with life. And I think in a sense, that feels absolutely what you, what you brought on and brought out there really. Yeah. And the other piece also that feels worth naming for anyone who's not familiar with this approach is that when you described having the experience of that energy and of the feminine coming through, of course, this is an embodied practice. Mm -hmm. So we are very much using our bodies. There is somatic intelligence at work. And we're really checking in with how it is, you know, what's here that relates deeply to the question that you're exploring. So if part of the answer is, some sense of support from the feminine and from women and some kind of reactivation of feminine potential, of course, that's going to come clearly in as one part of the answer. So that's what's also beautiful about our constellations. It will bring all the elements into view that are needed in answer to the question that you're bringing forward. So it's actually quite practical. Mm. Yeah, well, practical and... and it's interesting this because that you know one of the things I always sort of say to people about this work is that it is very deep but it's also in a way it's quite 
quick. You know, it's because it's it really is good at kind of cutting through all of the clutter to what really matters. And so in that sense, it's, you know, we talk about it being solution focused, but it but it is a very efficient way of working. Whereas if we stay just at the kind of level of cognition and what we already know and the kind of narratives that we're already spinning about an issue, nothing really changes. And we can invest a lot of time and energy, but we haven't really pedaled very far. You know, it's like we're on a, a static bike. We haven't got the, the gears engaged. And there's something around this way of working that I find really gets to the heart of the matter very quickly for people. Mm. And, and, you know, the feedback I get from the people I work with is often as like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for four years. We never even touched on this. Do you know what I mean? Suddenly we're, we're into a different framing and actually it really does cut to the chase. So that then what can emerge from that? It just feels people often say they feel clearer, don't they? Clarity is one of those things that this way of working can really bring. And as Ali was saying, it's, it is embodied. It's using more than just our minds on an issue. And that really is about wholeness of us, wholeness of our being. We're not just our head brain. We're also our hearts and our guts. You know, there's the whole system that we are, that we don't, within our current society and education, we're not trained to use that. Yes, and there's a lot of... Gosh, isn't that there's kind of cultural unlearning, yes. but then there's actually cultural. We're, we're we're actually going into a deeper, a deeper, and and a culture that's been around for longer. Um, interesting. <clears throat> I'm, and I think that, gosh, the interest in the role and importance of indigenous people and of people who, you know, kind of really kind of have been in their places for, oh, you know, thousands of years or whatever. And in the UK as a whole, um, particularly the industrial age, we kind of, you know, I don't know, that, that sort of, oh, no, 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 you know, that, that, that belongs to previous times. But I think I'm... I'm yeah, I have a real deep sense that the yearning for that connection with place and connection with story and connection with who I am and where I come from um, is really beginning to show up much stronger. And I think one of the things, and this is, gosh, the privilege and burden bit again, you know, I can go the Isle of Butte and look up and I can see, I don't know how many generations, but going back to Robert Bruce and, you know, and, and I've been DNA tested to say, you know, like I can thought, oh, I don't know if it really is, but actually, you know, so you can go back, but in some ways there's something here, and I think in this work, which is about, yes, we can all go back. Um, and I suppose when you bring in the, you know, not just the head, but when you actually trust the heart and that intuitive knowledge that we have in there, 
um, that we've, you know, we've not, school hasn't mostly focused on that, isn't it? Or, 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 or not the schools I went to anyway. Um, but there is the school of life when actually you begin to trust in that. It is absolutely amazing where you begin to go to, and, you know, the hunches. And then sometimes you go and, you know, look at the hunches and actually they begin to add up. They're not just hunches, really, isn't it? There is, there is, there is data that we might not be able to see, but actually, you know, and I think some scientists are looking at all of this, but, but it's beyond, beyond my ken. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really true. And it's, you know, you've named the, the kind of invisible nature of some of this material that we're working with, you know, as, as systemic practitioners. And it also kind of reminds me, you know, kind of tying this back into people who might want to come and explore this way of working. It's a very personal journey too. You know, many of the people who come to this way of working, they are helpers, leaders in, in some way. You know, most of us are working on behalf of others in some way. But actually, I know that all three of us have had this experience. I know everyone who comes to this work. It's such a deep personal journey to, you know, to begin to explore and trust our own intuition, you know, to be able to include those deeper capacities and explore how our own history fits with what we're trying to do in the world. It's a beautiful, deep, resonant, personal journey, as well as informing the work we do. Yeah, yeah. And and another thing showing up for me actually is also that it's, you know, it can be, gosh, it can be full of everything, but 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 there is joy. There's real the, the, there is real fun because partly what you're doing is you're letting go. And I'm saying that, and I then also know, and then oh gosh, something else shows up again. Where is that? <laughs> so so it brings it, it brings it all in. But but I think it does give <clears throat> a toolkit, a set of skills that, you know, you can just draw from and think, ah, gosh, okay, this might not be a work thing, but hey, that's helping me to see what's going on in this with my neighbours or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and also the element of community of being met. There's something around coming to any kind of systemic workshop or, you know, the trainings where you step into this field of love and truth and acceptance that's like a little microcosm of how we'd like the world to be on the outside. And that's so deeply nourishing. You know, that's something else that we always hear, and it's certainly true for me, you know, whether participating or leading any kind of systemic... You know, we're in this energy. You go away afterwards. People say always, well, I feel really full. You know, they've they've really been nourished on a deep level just to be in this space, to really honestly show up with these other loving people. And we don't get that a lot in life. You know, it's like we were talking about our education or even for many of us in our families, we're not met as full-heartedly in many places in life. And that's, that's something really special, I think. Yeah. It's that aspect of also being seen, Mm. The seeing and being seen, that we can relax into who we are. And, and I'll always remember one session in Scotland when I started working and I was just doing what I was doing. 
And then the subsequent session, I came along and I was pregnant. And Ed had me literally sitting in the circle and he said, just allow yourself to be seen now as you are with babe inside. And I just remember opening up and allowing myself to be seen as something different than my usual self. And it, it was an extraordinary moment of connection with the group, of, of the deep acknowledging that something was different now. And we might know that in our heads, but to actually feel it in our hearts and experiencing it, that's the embodied aspect of it too. Mm. 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 And our old, um, <clears throat> interesting and maybe not so, so, so moving on from that, 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 that kind of bit, but there is something of that old friend trauma. Yeah. And also, you know, when, and I suppose, you know, all of that, oh gosh, oh, you know, just as the world was, oh, all fitting into shape, and then you're back again. <laughs> and what is so often does, you know, when it is part of our, um, part of our human, I don't know, condition, is it? That, that, you know, somewhere back in, one kind of thinks of, yeah, this, this old, old, old trauma sh showing up at the moment. There's a, there was um, the big house on the estate was used by, has been used by a school since after the war. And at one version of the school where there was abuse of boys by, by monks, actually, and who my, my father would have brought in, you know, with the best possible motives um, and just of how, how to acknowledge that and how to, yeah recognize um, recognize it and not avoid it um, in order to and at the moment very consciously what we're looking at doing is those playing fields um, associated with the old school which aren't needed anymore by the current school um, there's a little bit of how do we regenerate? So what does it mean to regenerate those fields? How can we work with that? Work with that story behind it, not pretend it wasn't there, or, but actually, how can we work with that? And of course it is, it's that whole fertile ground idea. Of, you know, what, how can you build on the fertile ground of conflict or trauma and then use that as um, actually the compost for the future? How does that learning become compost? Mm. I think that there's an element of this work around not standing in judgment. And obviously that doesn't mean that we're excusing any abusive behaviour, but actually what can really help us is to accept the difficult things that have happened in us, in our communities, in our families, without judgment. Um, meaning we're kind of releasing ourselves to, to discover what's the fertile ground, what can grow even from this painful place. And obviously that happens in its own time. You can't rush that process. Yeah. Yeah. But actually allowing things to be, like you say, not hiding or pushing away from the history that we're each holding, mm -hmm. but finding a way of working with that and allowing something to grow from that difficult place. Yeah. And, and, and I suppose that's so out in the world at the moment. But, you know, black, white lives matter, or um, <coughs> our history with slavery, um, yeah. you know, and 
or abuse, and there is something about uh, looking it in the face and saying, "Yep, you know, yes, that's 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 where we came from," and 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 with all of that, we need to go forward. Yeah, and at least we're looking. Yeah. You know, there's a, it's another feature of this systemic practice as well about what what are we able to look at, what are we able to really take in and be with, and there's a lot of not looking, you know, and nothing can shift, nothing can change if we don't look. Yes. And I think now in terms of climate emergency, wealth inequality, Black Lives Matter, abuse, um, well, of adults as well, but particularly around children, suddenly all of that, we, we are looking. Even the pandemic. I mean, to me, that there has been no moment in our shared history as a people on this planet where we've all been looking at the same thing at the same time. It has a very different impact depending on where we live in the world, but we're all looking at the same time. Suddenly it's a moment of global awareness that we've never experienced before. Yeah, and, and, and really I've been, um, in terms of our workplace, so there's a kind of a few different um, kind of workers and different organizations up on the estate but actually when it all kind of went through it's falling apart of course the farm had to keep going because food absolutely totally essential um but lots of other things where oops it's not there and all of this and so what we did was we brought together everybody you know for a weekly zoom and it was actually you know and and, and, and there were three things and i thought like, i imagine in different workplaces this was being acted out or worked through but actually we started with our health mm -hmm. you know, what is it how are you showing up today how are we what about people you know is everybody okay oh gosh um somebody has covid you know we're looking out for them and then we moved on to work and so what's happening in the work field what might be about to stop and you know can we and where do we need to put that kind of energy in and then the third one was really relationship actually which was okay how are we communicating this between ourselves and 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 and, and all of that and it was like everything had fallen away what do you need to do how do we gather around how do we keep ourselves and how do we get through this this this, this storm and okay we'll need to tack and actually let's just check in with each other <laughs> Yeah. It was it was kind of like gift of COVID for you know, you know team meetings across the different teams have been so hard to come together and actually for a bit ah gosh actually we're there or or <laughs> we're there but we're you know we're on that good journey yeah and that strand of health well being you know in us in the systems that we're a part of is very much a feature of this way of working isn't it we're not. We're not just looking, say, at the profitability of our systems, although that's also a factor. That's part of well-being, but it's not the whole picture of well-being. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really looking, you know, what does the system need? What do we need? What do I need? You know, looking at what's necessary. And listening to both of you is also the, the idea of life enrichment. What both of you are describing is this attention to life enrichment. And what does that really mean, therefore, what do we pay attention to? Where do we focus? And what do we value? Mm. Yeah, it's really key. Yeah, and, 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 and I suppose life enrichment and economy, actually, because I think there is, there's, there's, isn't it? It is, um, got a person who, we, who we're, we're very drawn to here, kind of late um, 
19th century, early 20th century guy called Patrick Geddes, but talked about by leaves we live. And that, you know, it is what is, and, 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 and back to that kind of question which you were raising, you know, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah about that actually the economy will only work when people are really, yeah, putting the work in and actually, and know what it is we're doing and are really behind that purpose. And once you get into that, actually, you know, yeah, the, the, the economy will be helped. But I think so often the economy becomes the paramount, the only, the only yeah. bottom line that, that we're working for. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess we're kind of exploring wider economies of value. Mm. What do we value? What matters? So I'm conscious of time and thinking we'll, we'll kind of begin to tie up this um, beautiful conversation with you both. And so I wonder if we circle back round to um, coming up to join you, Ninian, in August for this three-day taster around systemic work. And... We've been talking about this. I mean, all three of us have developed this as a practice. You know, this is how we live. This is how we work. We're deeply engaged in this. We've been training and studying and working with this for, for a long time. But there's always a sort of starting point. All, all three of us found a route in and stepped into something that caught our attention and held us fast for many, many years. So this three-dayer is really a chance for people to come along and have a taste see what it's around, try these exercises for themselves. We are going to be working in person, assuming uh, the rules stay as they are. Um, and Ninian, who do you imagine might be called to, to come and join us in August and have a taste of this way of working? Mm, gosh, what a question. So I feel open to whoever shows up. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know, actually. Who is going to show up? Um, my my hope and, and and my senses is that this is really and certainly in terms of running a business, this has been really helpful in running a business and running a business in a bit of a different way. So I hope we will have people who do run businesses, whether it's a private estate and you know a farm or a factory. I think there's a bit of bringing in that world. Um, I very much hope and know um, a number, including Scottish third sector or charitable organisations who have been involved, how much this can help in that kind of world, in the sort of voluntary world. And at the moment, my sense is, is that world is changing a lot and that there's a kind of a real sense of being able to see it differently. Um, so... I would kind of hope from there, and like I also, and this is just the world partly that I live in, actually, I, you know, I am and I can think of a number of people who are either involved in or running um, community land organisations or those who are, um, you know, running, running the land. But that's, that's my own field. I hope it'll be a really mixed field. Mm. And that's our challenge, isn't it? To, to see that we can get it out to the people who really um, who really would value this and enjoy and, you know, be speaking as enthusiastically as the three of us are. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And Ali, any thoughts from you on who might feel drawn to this way of working? 
Yeah, I mean, as, as Nina was speaking, I was aware I was sitting in a quite different place thinking about coaches and consultants and people who are looking for a different way of working, um, really wanting to engage all the different parts of themselves, but also working with something very solution-focused that can have, as Sarah was saying, quite incisive impact uh, and can cut right through to things. So I'm sort of sitting with that, and I'm also... I found my attention also going towards education, just mm. wondering about people in education, you know, bringing this other way of understanding of educating a whole human being. So that sort of came in as well. Yes, it's work's been used to fantastic effect in education. And, um, you know, for, for my two pennies, I'd really like to add young people into the mix because I know that's something that matters very much to all three of us. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be doing a special rate for young people to make it easier for them to attend. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, I feel like the next generation, they're already wired in for this way of working. You know, they, the old ways of working just don't suit them. So they're very ready for something new. So it, it might be a first taste of a, of a different way of exploring life and work that really works for young people too. So, um, but yes, I guess we're all inviting anyone <laughs> who feels called cool to come and join us. And so the name again of the course is the Systemic Leadership Coaching and Constellations Introduction to the Essentials, very snappy title, uh, which will be from August the 27th to August the 29th. The Systemic Leadership Coaching and Constellations Introduction to the Essentials course has been moved to the 25th to the 27th of February 2022 and bookings are now open. We delayed due to COVID travel restrictions during the summer but look forward to welcome you in the spring. Ninian's home at the Falkland Estate in Scotland and there'll be information on both the generative workspace and the whole partnership websites about joining. So thank you both so very much. It's been lovely, lovely having this chat with you both today and um, I look forward to seeing you soon. So thank you for joining us for this episode of the Generative Work Podcast. And what did you think? If you have any questions or comments, it would be great to get your feedback. And if you would like to come on and ask me three questions about generative work, we'd love to hear from you. There are links in the bottom of the description for the email and website where you can get in touch. We're looking to build a truly collaborative community for people interested in working generatively. So all ideas welcome. And we look forward to exploring another topic with you next time. Drop us an email if you'd like an update on our next podcast release. In this podcast, I talk about the programme taking place in August, but in fact the date has been changed. Mm -hmm.